Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And it's my pleasure to welcome on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, Dr. Steve Oldie, who's had a 30-year journey and really has revolutionized motorsports and motorsports safety, uh, especially when it comes to uh, open-wheel racing, champ car, uh, USAC, and uh cart back in the day uh doctor welcome to the show sir well thank you thanks for having me i appreciate you really taking time out uh to to come on the show because this has always been i was saying in the first hour Oz, i've always been kind of a, a geek when it came to uh, racing safety and you know one of my heroes growing up was uh bill simpson and simpson you know what he did to help uh i read a book it was uh i think it was is it, 10, it was on a, bunch, a half dozen drivers uh, in the mid '70s, and Bill Simpson was one of them. And and it w- really was compelling when you know he's sitting in a he had a drag racing accident, and he crashed because he couldn't stop the car, and he thought and he saw a parachute on the back of a jet plane, and the bell went off. And I thought that's that's kind of cool. That's an interesting story, and we see things with with racing in with Jackie Stewart and what he did to say, hey, we can do this better. And then uh, when, you, when you came on board, you certainly saw a lot of things in the early 70s that kind of you scratched your head at, didn't you? Oh, absolutely. In fact, uh, I got involved in the late 60s, and it was uh, actually Wally Dallenbach, uh who was driving for USAC at that time. And some things that happened uh, in the series, uh, not not at Indianapolis, but most of the other tracks. And the drivers got together and they kind of appointed Wally to uh, make a noise about it. And uh, he and I were giving a talk at the same event in Indianapolis. And uh, after we were done, he said, asked me if I knew anybody, uh, any doctor that might be willing to attend uh, all the races uh, other than Indianapolis. And I said, well, you, you happen to be talking to the guy. <laughs> and uh, so we uh, sat down and talked a little bit more. And the next thing I knew, Dick King, who ran USAC at that time, gave me a phone call and asked me if I'd be willing to do that. And uh, they arranged to do it for expenses. And uh, that's how it all started. Yeah, and you guys were set up a, a, a safety truck in that uh steve edwards who later became a paramedic was a real instrumental in that and that was something you know from me as a kid watching you know I'll, I'll admit i you know i watched emergency as a kid was really into that and eventually became an EM, emt and didn't get as far as you but did track safety 
Uh, and, you know, it's always been an interest to me. And, you know, some of the, this, you know, as, as, as a kid, you would see there's, uh, on your documentary, the rapid response documentary, there's a, there's a shot of uh, Al Unser Sr., uh, when he hit the wall and you see him, you hear his hip and he's trying to struggle to get away from the car and then he comes down and it's like, you know, if you show that on TV today, people would be like, what are you, where's the safety crew in that? And unfortunately, <laughs> you know, it, it took a while for the guys to get there, especially at, at, at the bigger tracks. And there's, there's other things involved too. You don't want to run a, you know, you just can't have safety car as you, you can tell us how you kind of maybe set that up, uh, when you were dispatching the cars, you just can't have cars on the track when, when the cars are slowing down under a yellow. Well, it's, uh, uh, it, that was a difficult thing was, uh, how to get us meaning, uh, well, actually originally it was just me and the ambulance. And, uh, so before we had uh, safety trucks and before Steve came along, it, uh, when I started, I was basically by myself and had the local guys, but, they were in the infield care center. They really weren't on the racetrack back then. So I was the only guy on the racetrack and I was usually in the ambulance or next to it. And uh, we, we would go out when it uh, went yellow and you had to be very careful because they didn't have a speed limit. Uh, in those days, drivers could, uh, were allowed to go as fast as they felt was comfortable. And what I thought was comfortable and what they thought was comfortable were two different things. Uh, but uh, so we had to deal with that. And uh, then uh, it thought they decided that they would put a speed limit uh, on uh, the cars. And that was still difficult to do just because technology wasn't uh, that great then. And so it was still pretty scary. I remember uh, one time. Uh, we went out. This was at Indianapolis Raceway Park. I can't remember what uh, year it was, but uh, we went out to a crash, and this was very early when I started doing this, and we stopped behind the wrecked car, and I opened my doors on the passenger side and ready to get out, and just as I opened the door, A.J. Foyt went by and took the door off the uh, ambulance and had it been a split second later uh, he'd have taken me off the off the ambulance too so uh, i learned a big lesson uh, that day that you got to look outside before you get out and you, you got to realize what the closing uh speed is and uh, oftentimes get out of the other side of the car so that uh, it was a tough learning curve and i'm probably really lucky that i uh, uh survived it the um the the documentary was spectacular, and as well as the book too. But the the documentary had an interesting point re- regarding um, the transporting drivers to the hospital in helicopters, and they brought up the the incident that happened at, at Michigan in 1981 oh, yeah. when uh, AJ injured his arm. Can you kind of walk us through that and and how you guys kind of uh, had a uniform way of doing things after that? Yeah, that was uh, back in the days where we we wanted a helicopter, but the promoters uh, were reluctant. Uh, they didn't realize that uh, you should have a medical evac helicopter, that, that they thought anything would uh, be sufficient, and they could commandeer a, a news uh, helicopter or maybe somebody's corporate jet. So when 
a corporate helicopter. So when uh, AJ crashed, he had a horrible injury to his right arm. He severed an artery in the upper part of his arm, and uh, he was bleeding profusely, really. Blood actually was coming uh, out from under the uh, bottom of the car. You can see it in the documentary. It looks, uh, most people would think it's just uh, fuel or, or oil, but it's uh, it's actually uh, blood. And so everybody was uh, pretty excited at that, uh, at that crash because uh, AJ was unconscious and it was, uh, it was kind of a difficult extrication. So, but we got him out of the uh, car successfully. Uh, Steve Edwards and I and the other guys, uh, you know, working together because uh, you, you had to have a lot of uh, communication, not talking, but mostly hand signals and so forth. Uh, so you didn't do things in the wrong order and, and, and create a bigger problem. So we got AJ to the helicopter. Well, it happened to be Roger Penske's corporate helicopter. That was the only one, uh, the news one was up in the air or something. And it wasn't uh, built for that. And uh, AJ at that time had gotten a little portly. And so it uh, was very, really kind of difficult to get him into the uh, into the helicopter. And there were, there was no gurney in the helicopter. He went in on the backboard, and the backboard went over the corporate seats. And his uh, stomach, uh, belly, really barely got under the uh, roof of the helicopter. I mean, he was in as tight as he could be in and the IV couldn't be raised up and hung. It was uh, uh, about at his shoulder height so he wasn't really getting fluids as rapidly as he should but you know make a long story short uh, the helicopter made it to the hospital and uh, uh, AJ got operated on the uh, artery was fixed and he woke up and uh, everything turned out for the better but after that uh, of course Roger uh, realized that you had to have proper helicopters, and we made a ruling that uh, all the tracks uh, would have, unless they were real close to the uh, the main hospital. I mean, they could get there in uh, 10 minutes or less. And so uh, we made a rule that uh, you had to have an actual medical evacuation type of helicopter. Yeah, because if I recall, Milwaukee did not need one because they were only, a, you know, within that range to Milwaukee, the old Milwaukee County General, which was a, a you know, top level uh, facility yeah, for absolutely. Right. Um, right. The the book uh, now the the book Rapid Response actually came out I think in the, around 2006, but you there's a new edition that's now available. And it has some additional uh, work on there. And you mentioned it's mentioned about Dario Franchitti, who I follow on Instagram is is quite a quite an interesting follow on Instagram. And he he will post a uh, post a photo, but kind of bring a story along with it. And he mentions you know the numerous concussions he had. And it's interesting when he first came in the cart and follow along how you know the the changes has evolved as we learn more and more about concussions and that, can you kind of walk us through how, especially uh, on, in CART, uh, how, how you guys monitored concussions and how that continued to be ramped up? Yeah, well, uh, Dario really uh, stepped back just a little bit. Uh, he started having concussions when he was very young. He and his brother used to go out on uh, dirt bikes all the time, and they just go away from home and in the uh, wilds of Scotland, and they they crash and, they, uh, you know, be a little dingy uh, for a while. And 
he told me that he probably had uh, two or three concussions when he was a kid uh, doing that kind of thing. But he, uh, when he crashed in uh, Houston, uh, the, he never hit his head uh, on anything. And um, it, uh, the car, he had the concussion because the car spun around so quickly. It, it went around uh, three and a half times in, uh, I think it was two and a half seconds. I may have that a, a little bit off, but it was so fast that the uh, his brain was twisted uh, with that rapidity, but it, his brain actually wasn't hit by anything. It was just the uh, angular acceleration that his brain had that uh, tore some uh, nerve fibers and uh, uh, kind of stretched them and so on and caused him uh, a really bad concussion. And he was unconscious for uh, three or four minutes at the scene and uh, was uh, pretty dingy. Uh, couldn't answer questions, didn't know where he was, uh, kept repeating himself and so forth uh, for quite a while uh, after the incident happened. And because uh, he had had so many instances like that, that was like his third uh, significant concussion in, in CART. And so uh had discussion with him, and uh, he decided that uh, – it didn't make sense to go on. He'd won Indy three times. He'd uh, won the championship and so forth. And, and he uh, decided that further injury uh, to his brain didn't didn't really make sense. And but it took a long time to learn all that. For it. and we used to say uh, if the driver got out of the car, even if he stumbled around and tripped and fell and uh, didn't uh, speak really well when we got to him. Uh, we'd say, well, he's really lucky he's not dead. Uh, he's just had a concussion. And nobody knew. And like in other sports, like football, for example, that's one of the problems um, that they have now is they have uh, older players who played back when a uh, coach would say, Are you feeling better now? And player would say, yeah, I'm, I'm okay. And they'd put him back in the game and they'd get hit again. And uh, this would happen repeatedly uh in certain positions, uh, especially, and now you know they've got several players in uh, uh, nursing homes in their late 50s, early 60s with uh, disease, chronic traumatic encephalopathy or CTE, and it's, it's very much like Alzheimer's. It's a different uh, protein that gets deposited, but it's uh, you know the same kind of thing. So it took uh, this kind of discovery uh, to really realize that uh, concussion was not a minor thing. It was a big deal. And we were, uh, there was a program called IMPACT, which was a test that's uh, done very quickly in 25 to 30 minutes. It's kind of a paper pencil test that uh, an individual can do. And it was designed by a guy called uh, named Mark Lovell in the University of Pittsburgh and three of his colleagues, and uh, they uh, tested many, many people. Uh, originally, they had about 18,000 uh, high school and college kids, I think, that uh, that they did, and they realized that they could pretty much predict who had had a concussion and who hadn't, and they also realized uh, how long it took for the test to go back to normal, that people's uh, concussion didn't just, uh, as soon as they woke up, they were okay. 
they would have symptoms uh, sometimes for uh, three, four weeks and sometimes longer than that after a concussion. So that's when we began to realize that it's a bigger deal than what we originally thought. And uh, I happened to uh, become privy to uh, what they were doing in Pittsburgh and uh, met Dr. Lovell. And so we were the first sports organization to adopt uh, Impact. And we started using it uh, uh, way back. I probably won't get the year exactly right, but I think it was around 2002. And uh, so we had a protocol uh, way back then. If we had uh, somebody that uh, tested, you know, had a pretty good uh, crash, and we thought that there were symptoms of uh, concussion or the crash was bad enough to cause a concussion, we tested them right then and there. And they would read the tests uh, in uh, Pittsburgh and give us the results, uh, usually within uh, 20, 25 minutes. And uh, so it was perfect. It was great. So we could keep the driver in our medical unit, uh, get the results. And if he had a concussion, that was it for the weekend. And we didn't let him go drive again until we had had a normal, uh, normal test. So as I said, CART was the first ones to do that. Uh, Formula One did it shortly thereafter. Uh, and now it's uh, it's done by all major sports, uh, all the way from uh, grade school up through professional sports, and it's uh, it's really common, and it's it's made a big difference in uh, how concussions been handled. We're talking with uh, Dr. Stephen Olvey, who's uh, the author of Rapid Response and also the movie Rapid Response, which also features uh, Dr. Terry Trammell. Fascinating look at. Uh, racing uh safety uh especially on the open wheel side uh rapid response the the movie is available on dvd and video uh on demand and the the book is also available too how, how can one get the book uh doctor uh the best way is uh through uh, amazon uh, uh that's kind of the quickest i think and mm-hmm. uh probably if i'm not supposed to say this but probably uh, the best price uh, the way the uh, the new version of the book came about is because uh, the movie was finished, the uh, 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 publisher and uh, the producers of the movie wanted me to write a fi- like a final chapter. And so uh, there's a fairly long uh, last chapter that brings everybody up to date from 2006 up until uh, 2019, really. And uh, uh, just to get everybody in step with uh, what's transpired uh, since the original book was written, or the original version was written. Yeah, also if you go to safeisfast.com, there's a couple of very interesting videos uh, done by yourself, and there's one, Concussions and Racing, a case study that you did with yourself and Daryl that is interesting, and also on driver safety, too, how to crash safely. Uh, Good stuff on there, and we certainly appreciate you taking time out on the final inspection show and looking forward to chatting with you again, Doctor. Well, thank you very much. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. 
Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 